Hello everyone and welcome to Back of the Grid. I'm your host this week, Chris, and I'm joined just by Stu this week. Hello. Tom's a poorly boy, unfortunately, um, which is a shame because I know we're all quite looking forward to this one. Um, mm. Largely because we get to talk about Daniel Ricciardo, I guess, and more mid-season um, driver swaps. Yeah, um, I think this this episode could go like one of two ways. It's either going to be like lots of love from Red Bull fans or Red Bull fans are going to decide once and for all that they hate us and they never want to speak us again. We're just going to, about to open up a pack of Delitos. Probably even both, I would say. Maybe both. Maybe it'll balance itself out. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Um, there's obviously a lot of moving parts here, so we're going to kind of try and get a bit of structure just so we don't end up meandering and missing stuff. So we're going to cover three questions. Were Red Bull right to get rid of De Vries in the first place? Mm-hmm. What is in all of this for Ricardo, And mm-hmm. what is in all of this for Red Bull? Um, Good question. I'm going to start with an interesting fact I heard. This uh, mid-season driver swap continues the record of there never being a Formula One season ever where all of the same teams and drivers in the first race were exactly the same by the last race. It has never happened. Wow. That's Every single season fact. has either been a driver change, um, a team dropping out of the sport, um, new teams being added. There's always been something to change the driver and team lineup. So, so it's not that controversial a topic anyway, is it? Shall we just, shall no, we just end it's it just, there? Yeah. Shall we just leave happens. it? <laughs> um, all right, let's start with Nick DeVries. So he's losing his seat off Terry after just 10 races. Uh, he finishes with no world championship points compared to uh, two that Sonoda, his teammate, has scored so far. He's lost 8-2 to Sonoda in qualifying and 7-2 in the races they've both finished. Uh, he's not had a Q3 appearance, which Sonoda's managed a couple of times this year. Um, and obviously, as we know, there's been quite a few errors over those 10 races. Um, I think the low point probably Baku over the sprint weekend when he crashed at least twice, maybe three times throughout the weekend. Um, and then in recent races, we've had that messy clash with Magnussen in Canada. Um, it's been a rough time for him, mm. but did he deserve the, the boot? Oh, it's, it's, that's, it's a really tough question. It um, is. Obviously the, well, obviously, the performances haven't been where... Red Bull have wanted them to be or Alpha Tauri have wanted them to be but I don't think it's necessarily as simple as just him underperforming in the worst car I think it being the worst car makes it much much more difficult for a driver to come in from another formula and and perform at their best kind of thing I think if he'd been I think if he'd gotten into say a red an actual Red Bull then <laughs> it, his performances will probably be much better because it's a much easier car to drive it, it's more compliant for the driver it works better yeah. so it's kind of been a baptism of fire for him I would say that it is a little bit unfair to get rid of him at this point when the car is as bad as it is yeah it's like what are they with him, as you say, he's struggling. He's needed. He needs more time to get up to the standard. I think he believes, and a lot of people believe, he can drive at. When you're in a team that has 
pretty conclusively the worst car on the grid you've got zero points to your teammates too you are bottom of the table like you have to wonder what they're really missing by having him in the team like if this was a mid-table team in a championship fight for fourth fifth sixth place whatever it's maybe more understandable yeah um and i mean we definitely got caught up in the post Monza hype last season. Oh like, yeah, and you Who know, did and, everyone, did. yeah, everybody did, and you know it, that was a very good drive from him. And I think it's pretty clear as time's gone on that he largely got that drive off the back a of that Monza result and b of him being friends with Max Verstappen and Max having Helmut Marco's ear. Um, I don't think he was ever the right person for that seat, if I'm completely honest. Um, and I think it's easy to say that in hindsight. I think I've said this pre-season as well. Like, yes, he has a Formula 2 championship and a Formula E world title. His F2 championship wasn't necessarily on the strongest grid. His Formula E title was in a season where the qualifying format basically punished success and then the two main championship contenders were out on lap one in the final race so like there's caveats to that he is a good driver and i think he's probably going to go on to have a very good career in endurance racing would be my guess at this point um but he is the driver they picked and to then change your mind after 10 races does feel very harsh yeah, I, well, I think it's they, they haven't picked him blind. They haven't picked him not knowing. He's not. An, it's not exactly an unknown quantity that they're giving a chance. Like they've. No. You know, this is this is Red Bull Driver Academy. They've done their research. They they don't just let anyone in. And it, it, to me, it seems. I think I I don't think it's necessarily even about Nick DeVries's driving. I think there are other machinations to this that that affect it far more there than are. his performances on track. And I think he's just a, I don't want to say a pawn in a game, but there, there's an element like, of that. Yeah. And he's not really a, like he doesn't fit the mold of that team either. I mean, the guy that's replaced him also doesn't fit the mold of that team, but it's supposed to be a junior team. And, you know, De Vries has never been part of the Red Bull program. The guy's 28. He's older than Max Verstappen. So in a lot of ways, he was kind of a bit of a seat warmer, I think. Um, yeah, it's a shame. It is a real shame for him. Um, the fact that there's been not really any kind of farewell messaging from Red Bull or Alpha Terry makes me think there's perhaps some stuff going on behind the scenes perhaps between yeah. DeVries management and the team um, yeah yeah it, it's never nice to see a driver lose their seat like this he has been objectively poor this season however you measure it um, but so have I would, the team. Al I would also argue that he's been I don't think no worse maybe not much worse than Sonoda was in his first year yeah. And Sonoda's been given a lot more space and time to improve. Mm. And, you know, there's other drivers, if you look about, they've given more space and time, but circumstances worked against him, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I don't really have sort of much more to say about it, honestly. I think 
it, it kind of is what it is. I, you know, it's something that we have been expecting. It, it's not the most shocking news in the world, is it? And yeah, here we are with with a new driver um, lined up to take the seat. New-ish. Um, yeah, so Ricardo's year out has lasted until July. <laughs> um, he's back. Uh, the the kind of the the story that's come out of it all is that so Ricardo was already scheduled to do a Pirelli tire test at Silverstone in the days after the last Grand Prix, um, driving a Red Bull, and basically they said within seven laps he was setting times um, across a few different tire compounds that would be on the have been on the front row of the grid. And there's a lot of caveats to that. It's a different day, different conditions, different tires, different tires, <laughs> but still. Basically, I said it took seven laps for them to be like, yeah, he's still got it. We need him back. Um, and Christian Horner got on the phone to Helmut Marco, and Ricardo had barely done more than 11 laps um, before Helmut Marco had made the call to De Vries. So it was a pretty pretty swift decision that was made. I mean, it just um, shows not- you that it was, it was in the works already. They were already yeah, planning. exactly. Like this, I think the whole test for Ricardo was for the purpose of seeing if he's still got the goods to, to take that seat off of him, isn't it? Like, the, it, you know, it's all been planned out and played out. Yeah. So, I mean, from Ricardo's point of view, we all know he is not there to drive an Alpha Tauri. Like, the whole reason he left Red Bull in the first place is because he wanted to be at a championship winning team. Like, and the whole reason he left... Renault when he discussed McLaren's because he thought that was the best way to get back to the front. So he's not there driving the slowest car on the grid for fun. Um, ultimately, he's there to prove he has still got it too because his stock's kind of never been lower after the years at McLaren, I would say. Mm-hmm. So he's got at least people outside of the Red Bull program. So he's got some proving to do. He's obviously looking at a Red Bull seat within the next few years. Um, I have also seen suggested, so I don't think he talks about this, but Alpha Terry are getting a rebrand for next season and they're going to lean kind of like Haas sort of still do, I think. They're going to basically run as many Red Bull parts as they are allowed to rather yeah. than try to have a whole different team design a whole new car. I don't know why then not doing that already yeah it seems bizarre they've taken this long to come to that decision yeah, well i wonder uh, i mean there must be some uh, i guess it'd be against the rules for them to share knowledge wouldn't it yeah certainly within the budget cap rules which they're trying to crack down on but like that's a difficult thing to police um mm. so yeah there's there's maybe some suggestion that he's there to be a spearhead for this kind of new whatever they end up being called that's essentially going to be Red Bull 2 in as many ways as possible but ultimately he wants that Red Bull seat he wants Perez's seat that's why he's there right yeah um, he's probably thinking if that Alpha Tauri is going to turn into a Red Bull next year then if he think, if he's confident that he's quicker than Perez then, and they're in practically the same car for all intents and purposes then he's probably thinking I can fight for a championship or fight for second place in a championship because he's not <laughs> he's not beating Verstappen in in the Alpha Tauri, is it or whatever it ends up being called? Yeah. So yeah, I think I think part of this is Red Bull. I think it stretches beyond 
far beyond disappointment in De Vries and I, the reason I say De Vries is a bit of a pawn in a game here is because what Red Bull are really looking at, I think, is Perez. They're looking at Perez's performances and thinking, oh, if, you know, if this championship was tighter, we'd be in a bit of a bit of trouble here because we wouldn't have the second driver giving us the goods to to give us that constructors title that we want. Not that they, I guess, they care more about drivers' championships, but I'm sure they'd be, you know, pleased with a constructors. I'm sure they they wouldn't say no. Yeah, they wouldn't say no to it. So for me, like. They're looking at Perez going, we need a known quantity. We, we, you know, we've tried new drivers. We keep trying new drivers. We keep trying promoting people from XYZ to to take the seat and they're never performing. The best driver we had, who has only just left the grid, was Ricardo. If you remember, Ricardo was a pretty decent match for Verstappen. In, yeah. You know, in, in I think it was the one year that they were in sharing a team. Is that right? One, maybe two. One or two years. So they're probably looking at Ricardo, thinking if we can get him back up to speed in one of those, then in one of the Alphataris, then we can, you know, get rid of Perez because we're they're sounding more and more and more tired of Perez as as the weeks go on, and they're I they're trying to get the replacement in order in advance of the inevitable happening if the performances carry on the way they are. So I think a lot of that is about this, and then that obviously frees up the. Alpha Tauri seat to become the junior seat again. I don't see them ever putting Sonoda in that seat. I don't know. Do you? Do you see him putting Sonoda in a Red Bull? Well, that's so. Moving on to the Red Bull side of things now, um, man. There's a few things there that you've you've set off in my brain. Um, I think it's so. One interesting thing with the Red Bull seat is that. Christian Horner has made a point this week of saying Ricardo's objective is a 2025 Red Bull seat because our drivers next year are going to be Max and Checo because they have contracts. Right. Now, we all know... De Vries had a contract. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we all know that F1 contracts are barely worth the paper they're written on. So, I mean, I don't see... I mean, it's a nonsense statement, really. Um, in, a, in a way... This is a test of Yuki Sonoda. Like, I think most people agree Sonoda is having a good season this year. Like, the the numbers are terrible because it's in a terrible car, but he's much, much improved this year. I've been really impressed with Yuki. So, putting a known quantity like Ricardo into that seat kind of tests just how good Yuki is and whether there is a future in him um, as a Red Bull driver. Because, you know, like, Max is still young, but he also talks about not wanting to be one of these drivers that sticks around into his late 30s. So they do need to have some form of plan over the next kind of five, six, seven years. Um, when does his contract run out? Like 2028 or something crazy? Like, it's quite a... It's something mad it's like a that. crazy yeah. long contract, isn't it? Yeah. He's got a really, really long contract. So they've got a bit of time. Yeah. But yeah, I, I, right now I can. I think I'd say there's more chance of Ricardo getting that Red Bull seat than Sonoda, just because like they, like they like him there. He he fits in well. Like yes, at the point he left, things had soured a little bit, but ultimately like he's ended up back there, and that kind of speaks volumes. And that there is weirdly for such a, I think what a lot of people see is a very ruthless machine at Red Bull. That can also be like 
quite sentimental. Like, do you remember when Vettel lost his Red Bull seat and there was a message from, I can't remember if it was from Helmut Marko or Dietrich Mataschitz to Red Bull. And they, it, the, it was something along the lines of, go get Vettel and bring him home. Like, we, we, don't, we hate seeing him without options. Let's let's bring him home and give him a seat, which is a really like sentimental thing for a team that's normally like super cutthroat. And I think the fact that Ricardo has gone back there into open arms is like a little bit of that as well. Yeah. So the, on on the what's in it for Ricardo sort of situation, I think let's look at the pathway in front of Ricardo here. Like Ricardo, obviously, until last week. Not a, no no drive didn't have a drive didn't have a Formula One drive drive he had a sim drive but not a Formula One drive a race drive. Um, so then obviously now he's got the AlphaTauri drive. He his competition now is going to be with Sonoda, so he has got to beat Sonoda this mm-hmm. year. He needs to and there's a chat you know if Sonoda's only got Sonoda's only got two points all season so far, then Ricardo's got a good chance of if he can get on the game quick then yeah. potentially beat beat Sonoda. So that's got to be his target, I think, to get Definitely. to end the season higher in the Drivers' Championship than Yuki Sonoda. Right. Upgrades on that right. car this weekend as well. Yeah, so that's step one in the first half year of his new, you know, of his sort of long-term plan to get back to Red Bull. Stage two is potentially, you know, if he, if he performs really well... I think he's not. He's looking at. He's looking at the twenty twenty four seat. He's not looking at twenty twenty five. No. He wants. He wants Perez to carry on underperforming, and his expectation is surely that he'll be in the Red Bull seat if he outperforms Yuki Tsunoda. Next, yeah, season. it's got to be. Um, and and obviously that, like I said, that's part of Red Bull thinking. Like this puts a very clear like. The, the fact that he's been around Red Bull in general will have had an amount of, like, Checo's got someone over his shoulder. But when you've got that guy in a car that they can watch perform week in, week out, that is basically saying to Perez, there's your potential replacement. Book your ideas up, son. And yeah. do you know what? Maybe Perez will rise to that and we'll see him turn things around. Maybe we won't. Um yeah, I mean, the pressure hasn't been great for him so far this season. I think the no. pressure has been put on him, the, the worse the performances have gotten. But so, so then let's fast forward to 2024 and assume that Ricardo does get that seat. He's then thinking, right, I'm in a world championship fight with Max Verstappen for, for the championship, for a Formula One world championship yeah. that has eluded him for so long. How does he... How does he achieve that when that team is all about Max Verstappen? That's the thing. Like he's going to be back to square one. He's going to be back to the reason why he left yeah. Red Bull in the first place because he's not going to have their backing. They're still going to be backing Verstappen. I mean, I would love to see a championship fight between the two of them, and I think he's capable of it. But you you want to see a fair fight, and I and I think I don't think we're really seeing that from I don't think we've seen that from Red Bull all season. We're certainly not seeing it now. And I just can't see it. I just can't see them not backing Max Verstappen when they've no, got, you know, Max I mean, Verstappen's a known, and I can understand it because he's a known quantity and he, they know he's going to win them a world championship and Daniel Ricciardo is an unknown. 
So you're always going to back the incumbent driver, aren't you? You're not going to back yeah, the Yeah, of course. So he's got his work cut out. Yeah, I mean, obviously he's going to be going, assuming he gets that Red Bull seat, he's going to be going back to it an older, wiser head and in, mm. a, in a better place. But like you look back at the most successful periods of dominance over the history of F1, and more often than not, they are built around a single driver. Like It's that way because it works, and there's no reason for Red Bull to change that. We've seen that so many times over the years. Um, yeah. Do you know what? Maybe at this stage of his career, Ricardo would be happy with going back to a front-running team where he'll win a handful of races. Maybe that'll be enough for him. Yeah, maybe it will. I mean, um, I don't think it would be enough for him. I don't think it would be enough for anyone, but I think he'd be... I think he could be potentially be satisfied with that, but I don't think he'd be over the moon with it. I think he'd... I mean... He's definitely got a world championship on his mind. It's just... You know, it's going to be really... And I believe he's capable, but I just... I think the odds are really stacked against him. I don't think this is necessarily how you get your world championship if you're Daniel Ricciardo. I think you need to go somewhere and be number one driver. But maybe what this does do for him is if he does go to Red Bull, if he does get, get to Red Bull and he's performing well across the season and he finishes second in a world championship and then say someone like Hamilton retires or Ferrari shake things up, um, Aston Martin, you know, Alonso could retire, then, then he's suddenly in... A, a, a decent race seat potentially yeah. in 2024, 2025. So I guess it's about a lot. It's probably the best way to recover the brand that is Daniel Ricciardo, I would say. Yeah. And that and that's what this is all about, isn't it? It's about recovery. It's about making sure that his future in Formula One is secured and to basically get his stock back up. And he doesn't need to beat Max to do that. All he no. really needs to do is be closer to Max than Perez was. He, well, he needs to compete with him. He needs yeah. to compete with him, I think. I think if he can, the closer he is to Max Verstappen and the further ahead he is of everyone else in a Red Bull, when he gets to, if and when he gets to a Red Bull, then that will be the, that will be the, the proof in the pudding that he's, He's got what it takes to win world championships, I think, if if he can yeah. get to a team with a car. Because the world championship for Daniel Ricciardo, I don't think, is in a Red Bull. I think it is in... It's, well, it's probably not in a McLaren now because that bridge is burned, I guess. Yeah. Um, it's potentially in a Mercedes, but... like Mercedes, There's various people at Mercedes have always like made a point of speaking quite highly of Ricardo. I think if the driver market had gone in slightly different ways in the last few years, there's a there's an alternate reality where we definitely saw Ricardo in a Mercedes. Yeah. I can picture him in a in a Ferrari. Yeah. I really can. I think in, you know, in a couple of years' time, when they've gotten tired when when they realise that Charles Leclerc is the most overrated driver in Formula One, <laughs> I think they'll they'll finally Maybe that maybe they'll go for it. Maybe they'll take him. But I feel like there were definitely strong rumors in the past of him potentially replacing um, Raikkonen or Vettel at points. Um, yeah, in three years' time, Ferrari could be competing for World Drivers <laughs> Championships. There's, it's possible. I'm not talking about now. I'm talking about <laughs> you know once once the development curve has all happened and everyone's more or less on a in an even keel. 
Um, you know, you've even got yeah, you've even got Audi coming in a couple yeah. of years as well, which could be uh, you know a new manufacturer coming to Formula One. Formula One's getting into a quite a good place with like quite a few manufacturers in, and they're all going to be paying big money. Daniel Ricciardo was one of the well, most well-paid drivers on the grid at one point. Yeah, um, and I think you need deep pockets to pay him still, because so, obviously he's not going to take a he's not going to be wanting peanuts, even though he's not considered to be the driver maybe that he was. You know, yeah. Again, like as he builds this brand back up, he could get back to that level, and he could be demanding those kind of crazy figures from manufacturer teams. Because we know he was offered a seat at Haas after he um, left McLaren, um, and ultimately, it sounds from what I've heard, money was the deciding factor there. But I think, you know. A seat at Haas and a seat at AlphaTauri are two very different things, even if they are both back of the grid um, cars. You know, there's yeah. there's not many places to go from a Haas. Well, it's, yeah, whereas, it's the pathway, isn't it? Like the Haas, the, yeah, the, the Haas doesn't have an there. onward onward trajectory, whereas AlphaTauri has a very very clear defined onward trajectory. That trajectory, trajectory, trajectory. I can't say that word. Trajectory. That leads nice. on to uh, to a world championship winning team, a proven yeah. world championship winning team. Like that's the right. See, I mean, we said the same thing about De Vries when De Vries went there. We were like, "This is a great thing for De Vries. That's you know, this is the route for for him to get into a world championship winning team. He, he could he could put the give he could take the fight to Verstappen. So yeah, um, very very interesting to see how this is all going to play out. Um yeah, we need to talk, we need to talk about what what this means for Red Bull and what this means for AlphaTauri I think as well. Yeah. Um cuz so Red Bull also had the option of Liam Lawson. Um so Liam Lawson's been a Red Bull junior for a number of years. He uh had a couple of years in F3. He finished did he finish runner up in Formula 2? Um no, he's at ninth and third place he had in Formula 2. Um, he should have won DTM in 2021, but another team essentially cheated. But that's a whole other story. Mm. Look it up online if you're interested. Um, he's currently in Super Formula, where he has won three of the six races so far this season in Super Formula. He's second in the championship, and he's... I don't really follow Super Formula, but... I've read people who do say for a rookie season in Super Formula, he's doing an unbelievable job against some very stiff competition. Um, it looks like he was never really even considered for the seat, which personally I'm fine with because I think Liam Lawson is a guy that has some real future potential in Formula One. I think rushing him into an Alpha Terry seat to replace De Vries would have potentially just kill the career of another young driver yeah and it's, so, we've seen it so many times from Red Bull. yeah exactly so i'm happy for them to take the time with uh liam lawson because he is a very very good driver and i'm excited yeah. to see him in the alpha terry one day <laughs> just not yet yeah so i think this is this is interesting so maybe red bull uh maybe you know they've had their fingers burned by putting people into the Red Bull, into the AlphaTauri a little bit too soon in the past. And I think maybe that's what a lot of this is about rather than, I guess like De Vries is not the youngest driver in the world um, and they feel like they've got a better performing driver on their books that they can put in that seat who can mm -hmm. potentially dig that team out of the mire. So 
while doing that, they can also keep their powder dry on some of their younger drivers who maybe aren't quite 100% ready, you know, not fully baked yet, ready for a debut in Formula One. And this for Red Bull and AlphaTauri is probably like the best possible situation right now. Yeah, because the, the Red Bull Junior team is in another... It, it, it went through a lull for a while, but they're in a pretty strong place again now with drivers who are potentially going to be F1 ready in the next two, three, four years maybe. You've got the likes of, obviously mentioned Liam Lawson, Dennis Hauger, Jack Crawford, um, Ayumi Wasser, who's doing phenomenally well in F2 this year, mm-hmm. um, Isaac Hadjar, Enzo Fittipaldi, Sebastian Montoya's doing pretty good, Zane Maloney, like... A lot of very good drivers there. Yeah, it really does. Like, they're in a really good place right now. And, you know, whatever this new version of Toro Rosso slash Alpha Terry ends up being, like, they're not going to be short of drivers over the next decade. Yeah. So, yeah, they've they've got themselves back into a good place with drivers. Um, Having Ricardo there, hopefully proving what he can do is a it's a great thing to have. I mean, any F1 team would kill to have a driver like Daniel Ricciardo just there on the sidelines waiting for when you need a driver to fill a seat. Like, it's not a bad, bad place to be at all. Yeah. So so the great thing about that is, the great thing for AlphaTauri here is they get a known quantity, another, well, a newly, I guess, a known quantity in their, in their seat um, who's driven the Red Bull and they know he he knows how the Red Bull works, how the Red Bull team works, yeah. How things are put together at Red Bull, and he's got a good sort of understanding of all the systems in Red Bull. AlphaTauri, let's not forget, are a different team. Like they're based in Italy, you know, mm-hmm. they're not exactly in the same facility as as Red Bull. Red Bull are in Milton Keynes, obviously. So there are going to be things that. Ricardo can bring to that team from you know knowledge that he can bring to that team directly from Red Bull yeah. that will benefit that team quite a lot. So that's one thing straight away that's in in it for AlphaTauri. The next thing that's in it for AlphaTauri is they if they are going to adopt a system of making their car into basically a, another Red Bull, then they've got a driver here who has driven that Red Bull that is probably going to end up being next season. So he's got, again, an understanding of how that car works and how to get the most out of that car. So I think AlphaTauri, if this is the plan, are probably looking at hoping to vault up the, the order, you know, provided everyone, provided they don't, you know, provided no one can develop anything beyond the current Red Bull for next season. Or, or or they at least match it. They're looking at next season, probably hoping to be competitive in last year's Red Bull, if that's how this is going to yeah. end up being. Um, and again, like, I guess it's good for the team because it means they're going to be, that it's more money for the team. It, it takes the cost down of running that team for Red Bull because they'll just win prize money. Um, and the thing that's in that for Red Bull is if... AlphaTauri have got their own systems and they're, and they're testing parts. Of course, there's going to be you know knowledge gained from from that team when they when they develop their own concepts around the car that they've yeah. inherited from Red Bull. And then what happens is if 
say Ricardo does end up staying at Red Bull next year, best case scenario for AlfaTauri, he does stay there next year, then he's going to be obviously bringing lots and lots and lots of knowledge from the Red Bull side. But then by 2025, is he going to take all of the extra knowledge gained that, that Red Bull didn't develop around that car back to Red Bull if he joins the Red Bull <laughs> team again? You know, like there's good... Because yeah. I'm not saying like he's, he's obviously he's not an engineer. He's not going to bring, you know, development plans over with him or anything like that. But there's def- there's always going to be... Yeah, they work closely with their engineers. There's going to be avenues that that yeah, for sure. explore, explore that he's going to have an understanding of, he's going to gain knowledge of, that he would then take back to the Red Bull team. So is, is, is some of this idea around maybe Red Bull don't have the development tokens that, aero tokens, CFD tokens, whatever you want to call it, to get the most from their development of this car and there's mm-hmm. something maybe they're trying to spread now now do trying some way to spread their development across the two teams without breaking the rules which again fair play to them if they if they found yeah. a way of doing that that is within the rules then i wouldn't say i don't have a problem with it but it's if it's within the rules then it's, it's part the of the rules, game isn't, isn't it? it it's part of the game yeah cuz he is officially on loan as well because the way Red Bull contracts work, he is not an Alpha Terry driver. He is on loan from Red Bull. So <laughs> I imagine he's still going to be in Milton Keynes doing simulator work for them and stuff as well. So yeah, it it, it works out well for them. But everyone really, everyone except Nick DeFries, essentially. Yeah, well, that's the, he's the only loser from this, I think. Red Bull and mm-hmm. Alpha Tauri and Ricardo all win. Ricardo gets his seat back. Red Bull get knowledge transfer, potentially, um, and they get they and ultimately by twenty twenty four, hopefully they end up with a much better driver pairing. That's again, that's that's the ultimate aim I think for everyone is for Red Bull to have the ultimate driver pairing. And if they can get Ricardo back up to full strength, get get him to his final form, <laughs> then yeah, they'll they've got an absolute force to be reckoned with, and that'll be right when they need it because in theory everyone's going to catch them up next year, right? Like that's the yeah. you have to assume that. People yeah. are going to, people are taking huge chunks, finding huge chunks of lap time as they develop their cars. So the expectation has to be that at some point they're going to catch Red Bull up if Red Bull are near the top of their development curve. Yeah, and it's also good for F one and for fans. I think like he's yeah. he's a good person to have back on the grid. Like F one has definitely missed him as a whole i think so it's gonna be it's gonna be good to see him back and it's good to see him in all these interviews kind of seeming back to his old self because the mclaren time was just all kind of sad and miserable so mm, yeah it wasn't all sad and miserable i mean they didn't Not get one two at monza so yeah there was one good day all, all bad but um yeah i mean it, it definitely it'd be nice to see him smiling again it'd be nice to see him sort of yeah, being exactly. his old self you know the, the daniel ricardo that we know and love um, that's the that's the guy we want back, and hopefully, yeah, that's what we're going to get. Yeah. Right. Should we move on to talk about Hungary? Let's. Uh, should let's do some storylines going into it. Um, do you want to do that bit? I can take I can take some storylines for you. Yeah. Okay. First one. Um, Storyline number one. What can Ricardo do realistically on his return? What can he achieve on his return? 
um, it's a mystery right now, isn't it? Until we get to practice, until we see him turn yeah. the wheel in that car, we're not really going to know like where he's at and how long, how much this time away is affecting him. Even though it's only six, half a season, it's still a chunk of time. So yeah, um, I mean, as, as we said earlier, there, there are some upgrades coming to that car, but I don't think anyone's expecting it to make great leaps forward. So ultimately, I guess we're going to be looking at where he is in relation to Sonoda. That's kind yeah. of the only real metric we have, but. I think, to be honest, after that timeout, him even being in the same, you know, similar times to Sonoda would be a successful first race back, I think, for him. Yeah, I think so. I think we'll be watching practice with a very keen eye, won't we, this week? No one's going to care about any other driver on that grid. Yeah, it's literally going to be all about Daniel Ricciardo's return this weekend. You just know it. Um, Next one is, can anything stop Red Bull setting a new record for consecutive victories? Victories, victories. Um, they currently share it with McLaren um, on 11, 11 consecutive victories. I, I don't know if Red Bull are going to have this one tied up. Myself, this track does tend to throw up weird races and odd results, doesn't mm. it, from time to time? Yeah. So, I, I want to believe we're going to get something different and interesting. Like the the smart money is on. Yes, Verstappen's just going to win again, but. Yeah. If there's any track where we might get a slightly weird result, especially if there's a bit of rain thrown in the mix. I've not actually seen a weather forecast, but it does like to rain with no warning in Hungary, as we know very well from yeah. being there. So, Yep. Um, yeah, it's. I, I think you're right. I, I don't see anyone other than Verstappen. Right now, I don't see anyone other than Verstappen winning it. I think they're just, they're just so dominant. I'm kind of in a, I'm in a place now where... I almost want Red Bull to win every race just so so it's happened. Do you know what I mean? Like I'm kind of like, well, they're close to it now. So this this is how I'm getting something out of this season. Like I want, now I kind of want them to, the championship is, for me, is can <laughs> McLaren do an entire, sorry, can Red Bull do an entire clean sweep across the entire season? That's It would be something to witness. Yeah, it would be. It'd be amazing to see them do it. I would love to see a team just absolutely dominate like that. If they're gonna, because they've already got. I mean, they're gonna win the championship. So yeah, the point of interest now is will they win every race? So let's wait and see. Um, it's currently looking like wet Friday, but dry Saturday and Sunday is the current forecast, nice. and very hot. Baptism of fire for Ricardo then, if wet, yeah. wet Friday, and it's yeah. the worst car on the grid. Um, next one can. Perez fix his qualifying form. Man, he really needs to. Um, like, I think the Silverstone debacle, as we said at the time, was kind of poor pit lane decision making over driver issues. Um, but they just got caught out. I don't think it was even that. I think they could have gone back and got him. But yeah, maybe they were worried about breaking a rule or something. I don't know. Like it. Maybe they they deemed it wasn't worth the risk to to send mechanics running up there to get him because they weren't sure when the red flag was going to end. I don't know, like, or how long it was going to last for. Like, yeah. they could have been like by the time they got him back, then it would have been time to go out again and just made things even worse. So, who knows? Um, but one thing's for sure: the pressure will be on Perez a lot. I think very much so. The person who everyone's going to be looking at the second most keenly <laughs> is going to be Perez. Yeah. That's going to be the narrative, I think, for the rest of the season. The battle between 
Perez and Ricardo. I can see this being one of those weird races where there's like some really, really mad results thrown up and Ricardo actually beating Perez. It's just well, that just, kind of story. Yeah. I was just looking at the qualifying order last season. Like last season, Russell was on pole. The Red Bulls were 10th and 11th. Like it was kind of all over the place from a slightly weird qualifying session. So stuff does happen here. Yeah. There is another fact is qualifying as well, which we'll get to. Mm. So next one, can McLaren repeat their Silverstone form? This is an interesting one. Um, who else will be in the fight for the podium? I mean, <laughs> biggest mystery in the sport right now, isn't it? Like, yeah, my gut take... still says McLaren won't be as quick here as they were at Silverstone. Um, I don't think this is going to suit their car nearly as much. This circuit, in theory, should swing things back to Aston Martin. Yeah, it's more a traction so. circuit, isn't it? Very much a traction circuit. But who knows? There's been so many upgrades and so many cars in the last few weeks and more to come this weekend. Yeah. and Such yeah, a hard read. Like uh, Sarah says in the Discord chat, don't count out Mercedes and Hamilton as well. Yeah. Hamilton is a bit of a specialist around this circuit. He's it's won one of his favourite circuits. eight times, I think. I think so. He's, he's very, very, very good around here. So if, if they can give him the car, that car does struggle a bit with traction, but if they can figure that out, because they've, again, they've got more upgrades coming all the time it seems at the moment so yeah we'll see how see how they do um and the... i think the heat is maybe gonna give ferrari too many issues tire wise but i can see the mclaren mercedes aston martin fight being very close yeah i think so i think it's going to be one of those circuits that like silverstone that brings them all together in in some way but i think that's it's so interesting because they've got the cars have all got advantages and disadvantages in different yeah. places Whereas the Red Bull just doesn't seem to have any disadvantages, which is why it's so far ahead. Whereas these cars all perform in different ways on different circuits, and that's why we're seeing all these swings in performance. Um, the final storyline is what difference will the qualifying tyre experiment make? This is the thing that was postponed it from Imola, right? So they're going to do only hards in Q1, only mediums in Q2, and only softs in Q3. Yes, which means Q1 is going to be all about getting heat into your tyres, which makes me fear for Perez a little bit. Yeah, Perez. Because that's and... not something he's incredibly good at historically. Yeah. Um, Teams and drivers that are kind to tyres. So Mercedes might struggle a little bit. They're, yeah. They're known to be quite good on tyres. They can make a tyre last. I mean... Ferrari, I think, will be fine. I think Ferrari will have probably chewed through the hards. By yeah, the, Ferrari the first qualifying lap, so that'll be okay. Point, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it's interesting. And that could give us a really mixed up grid because, I mean, we've, we've spoke, we spoke of this when they first talked about it. I don't love this experiment. It turns qualifying into a who's good at warming up which compound competition rather than a who can drive the fastest competition. Yeah, we could end up seeing, in, the, in Q1, we could end up seeing people do multiple laps. Yeah, I think we will. Just the stick some fuel in and just go around. Everyone's going to be on the same strategy, though. Everyone's going to be... This is the thing. It's going to sort of... It's going to turn Q1 into a very, very, very busy session. The tra It's going to be yes. hard to get a clean lap because everyone's going to be on track for a long time in Q1. And that'll be the... It won't be so much about who can post the fastest lap. It will be who can get a clean lap, which... Yes. Well, that's the risk anyway. You know, that that's my prediction for what for how Q1 will turn out. And 
I don't know about you, Chris, but I'm not a huge fan about the lottery of who can get a clean lap. I prefer merit, no. a meritocracy to a yeah. lottery game. But yeah, I think not by, a huge fan of that, but we'll see. I, I think by Q2, that'll be less of an issue um, because it's a fair, mm-hmm. it's, the medium inherently is easier to warm up and the people who don't make it through will be the people who can't warm up tyres by that point. So Yeah, and a lot of people run mediums in Q2 anyway. Um, yeah. Q1 is, is the real banana skin there. Yeah, for sure. And let's see how it turns out. I don't expect it to be... From a spectator perspective, I don't expect it to bring anything special to the table. Other than I also don't. Sort of maybe an art. I guess the idea is that they save tyres, right? Is that the thing? Like they're trying to ship less tyres around the world by doing it this yeah, way? Yeah, that's the main thing they're doing with it. But I can think of better ways of achieving that. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Right. That's that then. Right. Should we do some predictions? Yes. Um... So yeah, as ever, we make our five predictions for the weekend. If you're uh, new to the show, we do this every week. Um, maximum score five out of five. You can play along by going to backofthegrid.com and you can sign up for free to enter. Uh, it's worth entering even though we're mid-season because there is a prize every week for anyone who can get five out of five. Um, you can also see where you are on the overall leaderboard. We start, as ever, with fastest in Q3. And I'm going to make you go first, Jim. Max Verstappen. I kind of have to also say Max Verstappen. It's really boring, but I'm going to have to. Winner. Max Verstappen. Am I going to try and do something interesting? I just can't. Like, he's got such a good record at this track as well. Like, although he qualified 11th last year, he still won. Like, he's crashed on the way to the the grid in the the past and I think still won. Like, yeah. Right, the more difficult ones. First DNF. Um, I'll well, go first because I've made you go first. Can't say DeVries anymore, can we? No, you could be so really cruel and say Ricardo. Um, I'm not that cruel. Um, Who was the last one? Who was the first DNF in the last race? Uh, Ocon, last race. Who was the second DNF in the last race? Oh God, you're testing me now. Uh, the second one, I think, was Gasly. It was a oh, it was the a bad day for Alpine. Yeah, the, yeah, the two Alpines. Um, ooh, it's very, very tricky. Alpine are going through a rough patch, but I'm going to say Hulkenberg. Yeah, it's your Haas's, your Alfa Romeos, your Alpines. I want to go Gasly again. They are going through a rough patch. Uh, number of finishers. Uh, last year, I believe it was a... No, last year it was... I was literally just looking at this. Um, 19 finishes last time. Hmm. And how many finishes last race? Was that last race was 18, 18 yeah. I'm going to go 18 for this. I think I'm just going to go for... No, we'll go a bit lower. I'm going to go 16. Ooh. Some weird stuff can happen at this race. And then finally, our random driver every week. And this week it is Lando Norris. <sighs> Test mm. our faith in the uh, McLaren upgrades. That's a really interesting one. I think 
they're going to be behind Aston Martin, but potentially about level with Mercedes, and they'll de- obviously definitely be behind Red Bull. So they're behind at least one car, one of the Red Bulls, because Perez is too much of an unknown quantity. Um, one Aston, because Stroll is too much of an os- unknown quantity. <laughs> I think he'll beat his teammate. The Mercedes... Oh, two miss. It could be. I'm going to put him fifth. I was thinking sixth. Well, so we're, gonna, we, we have similar. Then. <laughs> we have sim- similar feelings on that. Um, obviously, no prediction for Tom this week, but he will uh, get his in as soon as he's able. Uh, you will have until the beginning of Q1 to put your predictions in, so you have the advantage of watching uh, practice first. So as I say, go to backgroup.com and you can sign up and do all the good stuff there. Um, which just leaves us this week with... First this week from Dan Instone. Hey man, I don't think anyone would have predicted Aston Martin podiums at the start of the season. Feeling like Alonso's had a bad weekend for finishing lower than third this week or a McLaren podium at Silverstone given their poor starts of the season. With the pendulum of fortune seemingly swinging from feast to famine for every team except Red Bull, Hassan, Alfa Romeo. Will we see a Williams podium in Monza this year? How poetic. Uh, maybe. Because I mean, Williams is very good at Monza. Line. Very good in a straight line yeah. Williams at the moment. They've been very good at Monza when they've had a terrible car, and this year they've got a less terrible car. Podium might be a stretch. <laughs> we'll need a bit of chaos, but they yeah, could but, be right, well up there. You know, when McLaren got their double podium, well, yeah, one, true. two there, they, they were really... That. Yeah, you weren't... They weren't, like... They were in the doldrums when they got that result it was crazy I was just looking at Norris's previous results for like to help pick his finishing position second fourth thirteenth seventeenth like <laughs> it's just proper feast and famine as uh, as Dan said but yeah. I mean we'd love to see it yeah I, you know I don't I don't hate the idea of uh, <laughs> Williams being I, I can see a Williams being up there in Monza like, they are very fast in a straight line so they could do it um, next one from Charlotte Taylor. Um, it's been great to see Danny Rick back on the grid, but it feels like he's back at square one. It feels like a few wasted years. Which drivers do you think should have achieved more in F1 than they did, whether that's down to bad luck or poor decisions? Hmm, that's an interesting question. The first Coulthard springs to mind. He's one of those drivers where, under slightly different circumstances, he definitely should have picked up a championship I think mm. um, the first driver that sprung to mind for me is Stoffel van Dorn um, he's ha- he had one of the best junior careers there's ever been um, and then ended up in a horrifically bad McLaren alongside Alonso and just never stood a chance of achieving anything really and yeah, yeah. Never worked out for him. Um, I mean, he's gone on to have a good Formula E career. Uh, Formula E champion, in fact. Um, but yeah, he's definitely the first one that springs to mind for me. Yeah. Cool from the Discord, we've got Robert Kubica. That's a good one. Yes, oh, for sure. 2008, they stopped developing the the uh, BMW Sauber. They could have 
while he was in the lead of the championship. He was in the lead of the championship to stop developing the car. What on earth was that about? Yeah, a terrible uh, decision. Nicholas Latifi is another one. I don't know. If oh yeah, did you see uh, the, the news story today about him? No. He's um he's essentially decided to retire from racing and he's off to uh, business school. Great. <laughs> How interesting. He's, he's had enough. Business school. Yeah, he's off to get us some kind of business degree and be a be a businessman. Oh no, that's such a bad idea. Don't don't go and get a degree in business. Come up with an idea for a business. <laughs> yeah, but he's from money, so I suppose if you're idea. from money, it's different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, um, yeah, let's not get into my all my opinions on. Should we move on? Um, yeah, let's do the next one. Uh, next, a couple of similar questions. Uh, first, Oliver Masterson. If Yuki shows Danny Rick up for the rest of the season, will that be his F1 career buried? Um, Brendan Harris said, how do you think Ricardo will fare against Yuki and do you think he'll be a close step to a drive back at Red Bull, which we've very much already covered? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, if he can't beat Sonoda, I think he is done. Um, yeah. I think both answer to both of those questions is yes. How do we think he'll fare against Yuki? Um, well, if Christian Horner's to be believed, he'll absolutely smash him, but we'll see. It's <laughs> a big if. Um, I think he probably will end up beating him points-wise by the end of the season. I don't think he's going to just come out of the box this weekend and destroy him, but because um, the, the, the worry is with him, his McLaren woes all came from that McLaren needing to be driven in a very specific way that just did not suit him. Mm. And that Alpha Terry is not a good car. Um, like, do you hear the drivers talking about the Alfa Romeo, which is a slow car because it's lacking downforce, but the drivers always talk about it is at least a balanced and drivable car. Whereas you listen to the Alfa Terry drivers talking and that is not a balanced car at all. Mm. So, you know, there's no guarantee he's not just going to have more of the same struggles because it also doesn't sue his driving style. Um, I'm, sure we'll he's done, I'm sure he's done plenty of laps in the sim. Or, yeah, I'm sure he has. I'm sure he's got an idea of what it, what it drives like, so I'm sure it's fine. Um, Cody B says, I'd love to hear everyone's predictions on where Danny Rick will finish in Hungary. My prediction is DNF. Um, where will he finish the previous few races Alpha Terror is 12th and 15th 12th and 14th 14th and 18th 17th and 19th 16th and 17th they've sort of been going backwards a little bit yeah I'm going to put Daniel Ricciardo on a I think always when drivers make comebacks like this, there's always like a bit of wind in their sails and they always seem to outperform expectations and mm-hmm. their own and just outperform the vehicle a lot of the time. So I am going to put Daniel Ricciardo in 13th place at the end of this race. Yeah, I was going to say like 14th, 15th. I think if he can finish there or above that, I'd definitely be a success. Yeah, I think that's a respectable performance yeah. a very more than respectable performance actually in that car uh next from paul d hey man with the news that the fii are set to accept the andretti entry um when f1 and the teams are against it do you think there is any risk of a breakaway series and do you think f1 is in a better position to break away now than it was 10 or 20 years ago when they were threatening it 
Ah, uh, no. I don't think there'll be a breakaway. I think they've got their bread buttered too well at the moment. Yeah. The cost As cap. much as we've all got the- this sort of FIAF1 war going on, ultimately they do kind of still both need each other. And I don't yeah. think any of these disagreements were enough to outdo that. Um, no, not just Andretti <laughs> as, as well. High tech. They're, they're talking about two teams. It could be high tech yeah. and Andretti. I'd like to see it. I mean, I don't. I would. All you know, it's just self-preservation from the teams trying to stop more people getting on the grid. They're not thinking at all about the audience and the fans and the people watching it. The people who are paying them money to go racing, other than the sponsors, obviously. But like, where do you think the money comes from for the prize pot? Yeah. You know? Over sponsorship and selling what four hundred thousand tickets they sold for uh, for Silverstone, so maybe they should stop thinking about themselves so much and start thinking a bit more about the people who are spectating, watching the sport, and that surely that's the whole reason they 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 can they can exist in the first place. Yeah, it's an entertaining. It's you know it's just a sport that people watch, and if people. Don't, if people tune out because there aren't enough cars on the grid, that's not going to help anyone, is it? No. Um, next one, final one this week, is from Benson. Um, he says, hey man, what is your favourite car or bike that you saw go up the hill at Goodwood over the weekend? That is a good question. I've that's got a very mine. good question. Do you know what yours is? <clears throat> I didn't see as much of Goodwood as I would like to have done. Um, it was fun seeing the Le Mans NASCAR going up. Um, you love I, that car I do love that car I did also enjoy the Hyundai Ionic 5N yes that's the name of it um, and they had the drift spec version of it as well oh the yeah electric yeah that thing is monstrous I very much enjoyed that not to be confused with the Ionic 6 that just went straight ploughed through a barrier oh, yeah that was bad that was scary wasn't it yeah. Um my favourite of the whole weekend was the the Hoonigan Audi Quattro wagon thing. Yes, that had all the movable cool. probably not working movable aero on it. Which, yeah, it's so mad that car. It's such a cool looking car. I, I don't I don't believe that that aero is actually I mean it must be doing something, but I don't I think it's, it's like doing that much. <laughs> at least 50% for show. Yeah, but. It's, yeah, it's it's do it it's mostly for looks but it still looks rad when yeah. it's going up and down. And it's, it's fast anyway. So even without all that stuff, it's yeah. just a really well put together, fast, fast car. And when he did it, when he did his donuts, he was spinning so fast. Like, fastest donuts I've ever, ever <laughs> seen. Like, four-wheel donuts, just, just crazy, crazy, crazy. Um, yeah, wicked car. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's my one. Um, um, also, obviously, enjoyed Vettel driving his, um, his Williams up there, the Nigel Mansell. Red 5 Williams, that's always cool to see going yeah. on. Yeah, that is a gorgeous car, isn't it? Yeah, he did some great donuts in that thing as well, actually. Mm, and nice. um, running on uh, sustainable fuel as well, which is super cool. Very cool. But that about wraps us up this week, I think. Um, so as always, thank you for joining us. If you want to take part in the Predictions League, just go to backthegrid.com and you can sign up for free there. Um, we're on Twitter and Instagram and threads we're on now as well if that's your thing um and all the other stuff just search back the grid and you'll find us in all those places facebook as well uh don't forget that we're also now on youtube so if you want to see us as well as listen to us you can go there um there's full episodes and there's also shorts um so you can take a look at that uh if you want to 
leave questions as YouTube comments. We'll check those as well. So that's another place you can send in stuff for the inbox. We will be back in a week's time to review what I hope will be a very entertaining Hungarian Grand Prix. It often is. Um, which I think is the last race before the summer break, isn't it? No, no. Oh, no, we've got Belgium, haven't we? Yeah. Yes, they've moved Belgium. So, yes, we'll speak in a week's time. Hopefully, Tom will be back with us then as well. Um, But until then, thank you and goodbye. Bye. (laughs) 